And it's A Leg Up with Dr. Randall Jula from the La Bella Vida Laser and Vein Center. The podcast about how you can keep your legs healthy and strong so you can put your dancing shoes on. I'm Spud McConnell here with you and Dr. Randall Julep, so let's get right to it. And another episode of A Leg Up with Dr. Randall Julep, the man who keeps your legs looking better than if you hadn't gone and seen him. So there you go. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Uh, things are going good, Spud. Thanks very much. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. Well, for you, because I know you're in Hawaii right now. So the uh, the the forest of legs over there must be uh, pretty attractive. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, they've got some uh, bad looking ones here too. <laughs> um, well, that's for meeting but, spam, yeah. man. That's some spam eating folks over there. I've got oh tell. yeah. Oh yeah. Spam and rice. You know, mm-hmm. rice is not good for you either. But. Um, yeah, actually, uh, you know, vein disease, it, it, uh, it's an inherited kind of thing, as you know, and yeah, um, so genetics, genetics plays a huge role, um, and the, you know, the genetics that we see in Hawaii, well, you know, I mean, it's all over the country. True. Um, you know, it's a very, very common problem, well, but... Uh, I mean, if it's, if it's, okay, if it's genetic... Yeah, uh, like we we talked about before. But if it's genetic, is it still possible to get it? I mean, should you should you you know not eat a lot of spam or a lot of rice? I mean, should should you be chomping down on pineapples and tomatoes instead? Or is it if you if you're not predisposed family wise to get it, should you just not concern yourself with it? Uh. No, no, well, you can. I think what you're asking is if you don't have the genetics, can you still get yeah. uh, or develop venous insufficiency? And the answer to that is yes. Okay. Um, you know, because there are other factors involved. Uh, for instance, you know, in women, pregnancies plays a huge role. Uh, pregnancies are is a risk factor for, or multiple pregnancies is a risk factor for vein disease. So because, like that, that woman, that woman, the Duggars who have nineteen kids, so she her her veins yeah. probably look like <laughs> her <laughs> veins probably are terrible. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, so that plays a role. People who work uh, in a profession where they're on their feet all day long. Um, they have an increased risk of, uh, of developing vein disease. So, you know, we see a lot of nurses, we see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, beauty parlor people and, uh, pharmacists and, or in retail people, anybody who's on their feet all day long, they have, uh, an increased risk, but probably the most important thing is genetics and, uh, and, and yeah, you know, if yeah. you have one parent that has had vein disease, their their children uh, have a sixty percent chance of developing, you know, venous significant venous insufficiency. Well, 50, if, not even even more than fifty percent if one of yeah, your parents had it. Exactly. Yeah, more than half and half. Um, if both parents have it, then the likelihood that their children are going to have it is about ninety percent. So it goes way up, you know. Well, I mean, that's a, so, that's that's the all the doctors basically say that if you want to live to be a hundred and not just eat yogurt and shit like that, then you need to pick your parents. But nobody yeah. gets to do that. No, unfortunately, no, <laughs> we don't. But uh, yeah, what I was going to say is the the genetic, the Polynesian genetics that that we see here in Hawaii um, is uh, very very strong for veins, and uh, and in addition, 
um, you know, just culturally, they've uh, they're they're hardworking people, uh, and uh, many of them are in uh, you know jobs that require them to uh, work hard on their feet all day long, day after day, and uh, that just yeah that just makes the whole thing progress even more. Was it so. like that all along? I mean, uh, uh, you know, you don't. Of course, I don't guess if I don't know if anybody goes there if they've ever done studies up in there. But in in uh, like say in Central and Southern American countries that don't have as many roads and 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 concrete as as we do over here, they spend a lot uh-huh. of time on their feet. But I mean, they're walking on the ground, which tends to give a little bit more than concrete and asphalt. You know, so are we yeah. are we talking about people who are on their feet all the time who are constantly on terra terrazzo floors and and tiles and up and down roads and stairwells and things like that or is it just being on your feet is going to give it to you yeah i think just being on your feet the uh it, it's it's a little bit of an old wives tale the the uh you know the hard floor or this you know uh, well i worked all my life on cement you know that's what you hear um that that's that's not uh completely true i think it's it's much more important that they've worked on their feet all their life not necessarily that it was on you know tile or cement or or whatever mm-hmm. because people who work outside they could have the same thing um so i i think it's just a matter of being on your feet most of the day as opposed to a more sedentary you know job you know or or a desk uh, office kind of setting but that know? seems to be bad for you too i mean you know if you're if you're yeah. if you're situated all the time seated all the time if you're on your feet all day your veins are going to suck and if you're on yeah. if you're sitting down all day your arteries are going to suck cuz you know, yeah. so so i mean is there Where's the happy medium at? Y'all got a y'all got a pamphlet posted on that one? Yeah, uh, you know what? We need to develop that. But um, yeah, you're right. You know, a few years back, I can remember uh, there was sort of a push for oh, you've got to be on your feet all day long, and there were. Uh, you know, they came out with these elevated desks, mm-hmm. you know, desks that would go up and oh, down. Yeah, I've and seen people, those things, yeah. There, there was a fad where people started to, you know, even if they were in an office setting and at a desk, they spent much of the day uh, standing up. And, and there, w- that, there was good information to, uh, to indicate that that was a good thing, actually. I mean, there had been studies and uh, they found from a statistical sort of standpoint that uh, you know, it did have an effect on the cardiovascular system and blood pressure and even, you know, metabolic things like diabetes and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, there was ev- some evidence that that actually was good. Um, and then some people took it, took it to an extreme where, the, you know, you'd set up a desk on a treadmill and you'd act not only be walking or not only be standing up all day, but walking. Um, but probably somewhere in between. Because, you know, I can remember when I when I saw that happening, I was thinking, oh, good, more people are going to be developing vein disease because they're on their feet all day long. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, so anyway, like everything, there's a happy medium that has to be uh, has to be acquired. You know? What about what about if somebody, you know, of course, I'm thinking about a bar stool when I say stool. But what about if uh, if if people were sitting at taller stools? Like, for instance, if you're okay, you're on your feet all day. That I understand because your feet are, are taking the entire weight of your body. They're uh, every time you take a step, it's like pounding on them. Um, but if you're sitting down, then your knees are bent. What would happen if there was somewhere a happy medium, like sitting on a stool, 
and it's very easy for you to just stand up and take the weight off your back for a little while and then sit back down and you know i mean even yeah, me I, i'm i'm in front of a computer most of the day uh, but right. about every 15 20 minutes i just i got to get up and just if i don't do anything more than walk around the room i got to do that cuz it's just going to it's going to get to me yeah well that's and that's it that that's what people need to do um you know if you're at a desk job um then uh you know getting up and walking around for a little while uh you know the standing in one the worst thing to do is to stand in one place and not walk around that's the worst thing that you can do all day long as far as your your leg vein health goes mm-hmm. um now next to that is sitting down you know with your with your feet on the floor and and just staying in that position all day long that's not all that good for your veins either you know because uh, at least the lower part of your legs are still in a completely dependent position you know going downward yeah. um so probably uh, uh again i think just what you described probably the best of both worlds is to if you're at a desk job then you know every you know, every hour every couple hours get get up and you know you walk around the office or whatever for you know, five minutes, just find something to do where you're up, up and around walking. And that's probably uh, the best balance, um, as opposed to those people who, who, who do work on their, you know, work in a retail situation or a situation yeah. where they're on their feet all day long. You know, if they can incorporate sitting down and maybe elevating their legs a little bit, you know, periodically throughout the day, that would bring about a good balance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember, um, and I want to, I want to hit you up on that later uh, about about that kind of thing because we did talk about elevating your your legs with the uh, the venous insufficiency because basically what it is is it's not your your veins are not pushing the blood up. Your heart pushes the blood from your uh, from your heart out through the arteries and capillaries and everything else. But the the heart has nothing to do with pushing the blood back up through the veins. That that you have to like physically move around. So if you're stuck sitting at a chair all day, you're physically not moving around. And if you're right. standing in one place, so basically it's just you know sedentary, either on your feet or on your ass. Doc, I guess that's yeah, that, that's the killer. <clears throat> that's what it boils down to. Yes. Oh, man, um, that's my favorite. Yeah, thing. <laughs> I'm real I, I good at it, sedentary, man. I'm good at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you 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 put your finger on the key there, Spud, and that is that you have to use your muscles. You know, when you contract your muscles, that helps uh, blood flow through veins. Um, so, and, and that's essentially what you're doing when you're getting up and walking around the office or walk around at home or whatever, um, is you're, you're getting those leg muscles to work. Well, some people, um, have, and there are products out there where you can, uh, if you, if you're sitting at a desk all day long, you can, you know, they've got these little devices that you pump with your feet or you, you know, you move your legs up and down or whatever. Uh, that would be beneficial too, you know, if you were going to really consistently do that throughout the day. If you're at a desk, um, you know, when you get on when you get on a plane, 
uh, and they do this, you know, more for uh, blood clot prevention. Uh, but uh, if you look at the in-flight magazine, you know, yeah. on, on every plane, on every plane these days, you go to the back, and uh, they tell you, you know, the several things that you should do to, uh, you know, prevent blood clot while you're traveling, you know, long distance on a plane. And one of those things is to exercise your legs in some way with, uh, you know, even with you sitting in the seat, in the seat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, flexing your foot up and down and, uh, you know, extending your leg and, you know, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, that muscular contraction, uh, is the key to getting blood to move through veins. That's that. I've seen that ad it's in, in the back of the magazines. It's right next to the x-ray glasses. So <laughs> <laughs> right. you can look at that. Let me look at my legs. Oh my God. I need to flex my feet. Uh, uh, yeah. This okay. Let's get back to the genetics of this whole thing. I mean, if um, now you've, of course, medicine has advanced, uh, but they've known about this particular thing, venous insufficiency, for how long? You think thirty years, fifty years, sixty, hundred years? How long have they known about this? Well, I got to tell you, um, a, a long time. Um, if you can go back to um early greek uh and egyptian writings and um you know there there's something called the papyrus there there were uh you know several different types or forms of uh medical related writings from ancient times and even in those ancient writings there are references to um, you know, problems related to the legs that were, you know, very likely due to uh, venous insufficiency. Uh, there's, there are old, there are ancient writings from, uh, you know, ancient Rome, um, and uh, they described wrapping legs, you know, with whatever type of cloth they had or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it, it seemed, it seemed like they were wrapping the legs to help with uh the soldiers and their activities they weren't really wrapping the legs for protection because they had other protection but for you know for whatever reason they or in whatever way they stumbled upon the fact that if they wrapped the legs uh you know the soldiers legs worked better you know over a long period is that kind of like in the world war one and the uh the doughboys those outfits especially the marines but the army too uh, the Navy had puttees up the legs, but I mean, yeah, they would put on their boots and everything else, and they would have they would have this bandage like thing wrapped all the way up to their knees. It was kind of like a part of the uniform. I mean, to- yeah, yeah, may very well have played that role for sure. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, Hippocrates, you know, everybody's heard that name before, mm-hmm. um, and he lived, I believe, it was uh, the late fourteen hundreds. But um, Hippocrates actually connected venous disease or venous insufficiency with ulcers that formed on the lower part of the leg. So he was the first one to kind of make that connection, and he also described. Um, wrapping or you know uh, putting some sort of you know appliance to the to the leg mm-hmm. that essentially acted as a compression stocking you know nowadays we have compression stockings yeah. and that uh, that compression to the leg is beneficial for vein function um, anyways uh, you know Hippocrates uh, you know connected 
venous insufficiency, ulcer, you know, venous ulceration, and wrapping of the leg to try to treat that. So that was a long time ago. Yeah, right. um, and, uh, you know, so, so yeah, the, the concept of, of venous insufficiency and vein disease, um, it's been around for a long, long time. Now, you know, back then they were still kind of figuring out the entire yeah. circulation. Yeah, I mean, they also, yeah, they would bleed you too if you got like VD or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the the concepts have been around for a long, long time, um, and uh, and you know, we've been treating it surgically um, for a long time. Also, uh, not that you know, long, though. Well, not well. Let me see. Well, probably. Probably when they eventually developed general anesthesia. You know, mm-hmm. uh, back be- back before there was general anesthesia, there was surgery. But I mean, it was only if you, <laughs> you know, absolutely needed it. You know, yeah. I mean, during the Civil War, they were doing you know amputations with no anesthesia. You know, yeah. yeah. And um, I remember reading stories too uh, about uh, if somebody in the in the Civil War would get shot. The first thing they do is start pulling their clothes off or ripping their uniforms to see where they had gotten shot, you know, because the, the trauma of the bullet hitting them kind of threw pain all over their body, and they weren't exactly sure where the bullet hit. So if they, they sure. started looking to see if it was in their abdomen or in the upper leg or whatever, and then they started worrying about whether or not they were going to get amputated. Uh, yeah, and yeah. This, and if you got hit in the abdomen, it wasn't the end of the world, but you were going to have to get pretty drunk for the to hold still long enough for them to go and dig the bullet out yeah right right yeah so um so you know probably uh since venus uh interventional kind of things other than just compression um you know that it's been a fairly elective kind of you know disease process i mean people people have lived many you know prior to you know the modern day vein treatment, um, you know, people lived <laughs> many, many years, even though they had yeah. terrible varicose veins and swelling and all that sort of thing. But um, so probably, you know, 40s and the 50s is when we started to surgically address vein disease, which was basically with, uh, you know, just surgical vein stripping. Um, but, uh, you know, we uh, over the past 30 years or so, 20 to 30 we've really come a long, long way with all of the advanced kind of technology that we have in the different devices. And, uh, you know, it really has moved from uh, a surgical operation that we did in the operating room with a general anesthetic and the patient was in the hospital two or three days to literally doing everything that we do as an outpatient um, everything is very minimally invasive. Well, and, and that's uh, because of the, uh, the ultrasound, right? I mean, before you used, if somebody had bad veins, you had to actually like cut their legs open and get to it. But now, since you can see what you're doing with the ultrasound, you can do everything like with the little tiny slits and go very specifically. And, uh, that's, and that's, and that's, that's the minimally invasive stuff because you got the better tools for it. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, visualization for you know diagnosis but you know we use the ultrasound for diagnosis to figure out if somebody does have venous insufficiency or not and then we use it also extensively during the you know the procedures that we do and yeah you're right uh the ultrasound machine has allowed us to you know in real time be able to see 
blood vessels and you know enter those blood vessels with a small needle and then we use wires and catheters and stuff so uh yeah not only not only the devices that have been developed over the last 20 years but also yes ultrasound uh, has been tremendously important in getting us to where we are today with the whole field for sure now what should people okay so it's mostly genetic but you can still get it if it's not genetic but what should people be yes. looking for with venous insufficiency? You know, for, I mean, is it automatic with old age? And, and where does old age begin? Uh, can you tell if somebody's got venous insufficiency as early as somebody in their 20s or, you know, something like that? How, what, what should people be looking for since I made the ugly leg joke? Um, the, uh, yeah, you know, the... That's the pro- one of the problems with venous insufficiency is that it's it's not always obvious to the to the person, and and you know, do we treat do young people develop venous insufficiency and does it get to a very significant level? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it kind of uh, it's an equal opportunity effector. You know, mm-hmm. we see all age groups. I, I think the youngest patient that we've ever had was about was sixteen. Oh. And uh, and that was a young male, actually. You know, was he but, was he uh, genetically it, predisposed? I mean, is yeah, he... yeah, he had a very strong family history, uh, and I think that was primarily it. But he was, you know, as a young kid, he was in high school and he was developing bad varicose veins, and uh, you know, he was starting to get teased by the other kids, yeah. and uh, you know, so. Uh, uh, so he came in. Yeah, he had, he had bad venous insufficiency, and, and we fixed it. But uh, and and you know we treat people of all ages. I think you know we actually just recently uh, I treated our most elderly patient. He was ninety five. Um, so uh, you know it it affects everybody. And the fact of the um, matter is, though, because you can do this minimally invasive stuff, it doesn't matter yeah. how old you are. I mean, somebody might go guy 95 you might be afraid to come in but it's not right this is not i mean it's not nothing to it's nothing to be laughed at it's nothing to be laughed off uh well i'm gonna laugh at everything because i have no class but <laughs> just because you're over 90 uh doesn't mean that you're not this, this is a very survivable uh operation that you do it's very very simple you can do it in in your office and uh this is nothing to be afraid of Right, right, and and we um, and we get that question all the time. You know, people come in and uh, be you know being evaluated for their vein problems, and um, she, uh, you know they'll say something like, "Gee, you know, my mother, she has bad veins, and you know she thinks she's too old." And and I and I say, "No," and there she's eighty or whatever, and and I say, "No, absolutely not." You know, um, have them come in, and we can evaluate and figure out what they you know might need and uh you know most of the time we're able to treat those people for sure and if we can't do the procedures we can always treat them you know conservatively uh and try to uh, help the situation but um you know with respect to uh, people say asking themselves gee do i have vein disease um you know it kind of starts with um, is there a, is there a family history of, of vein disease, you know, in that person's, you know, genetics, but often, often, often they don't, it might be, but they don't know about it. You know, maybe it was in a grandparent or in an uncle or an aunt and they didn't know those people very well or whatever, but, um, you know, varicose veins are kind of an easy 
uh, easy thing for people to figure out yeah. that they have vein disease. I mean, you know, if they've got a bunch of big bulgy veins on their legs, they You're say, You're more Gee, likely I'm, to have it with varicose veins or spider veins? Or, or I mean, I'm sure varicose either. veins. Either. But, but spider yeah, veins for, is a good indicator that you should get checked out. Uh, yeah, you know, people come in all the time and, and primarily all they have is spider veins, but they may have other symptoms, so they get evaluated. Virtually everybody with varicose veins have that underlying venous insufficiency. And, yeah, you know, when we say venous insufficiency, we mean poor function of the veins that are deeper in the leg. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the veins that you don't see superficially, you know, spider veins and varicose veins you do. Um, but uh, so if they have varicose veins inevitably they have venous insufficiency in one way or another um with spider veins i would say more like uh you know 50 to 60 percent of people with spider veins have venous insufficiency but there's a little higher you know uh, amount of people who just have you know sporadic uh, spider veins yeah. um but it, it's you know there's there's so many other symptoms of venous insufficiency that people don't necessarily connect uh with uh with a, a vein problem you know in their mind uh and they may not have anything superficially they may not have any they may not have one spider vein or one varicose vein but you know in in the symptoms you know the common symptoms are achy achiness mm -hmm. heaviness and fatigue those are three of the probably most common symptoms yeah but those are uh, symptoms of a lot to, of things I mean, but, in, but they can be. They can be symptoms of other things, but they're fairly specific for venous insufficiency. So, you know, if if your legs get achy by the end of the day, if you have a little bit of swelling, swelling is another one of those symptoms that people don't necessarily connect with. Gee, I have a vein problem. True, but also um, if people are sitting in a in a in a static situation, like like the people sitting at their desk all day. Or the people yeah. who are on their feet all day will just go, oh, well, my feet are swollen because I've been on my feet all day or my feet are swollen because I sit on my ass all day. I mean, so yeah. if they just go home and put their feet up and they feel better, that's not going to that's not going to make them think about you. And, and no, it's that's, not. That's the whole point of this. These uh, podcasts is for people to realize that there's an underlying issue that they need to they either need to figure out it's not the case or they need to figure out how you can fix it. And we're going to talk about that next time on A Leg Up. My uh, my partner here, Dr. Randall Julef, who is an expert who's got offices all over the place. He's in Hawaii right now. How many offices you got over there in Hawaii are there, Doc? We have five offices in Hawaii um, on all, all the four main islands, and then we have two on the big island. So uh, right, the so second one. You're, you, everybody one, knows that you're, yeah, you're the one because you, you call it the Big Island. Everybody else just goes Hawaii, and that's it, you know. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then you got one in Mandeville, and you got a, a office in uh, in uh, Metairie, and then, Metairie, and yeah. then you, you got some something going on in Florida. Um, yeah, I, well, I have a loose connection with uh, another another vein clinic in uh, Florida, in Destin. So, uh, yeah. yeah, coast to coast and then the most. So there you go. <laughs> Dr. Randall Julev is La Bella Vita Vein and Laser Center. It's labellavitavein.com for you to find out more. But look, do yourself a favor and go on there and have a look-see at some of the symptoms and such, which we'll talk about more about those symptoms uh, in a couple of weeks when we come back. 
But uh, in the meantime, you may be wondering, gee, why, where does all this come from? Why do my feet swell? Why am I in pain like that? And it could very well be this, and it's easy to diagnose, and 99% of the time it's a very easy fix right there in the office. Dr. Jula, thanks for taking the time, man. Thank you, Spud. All right. Next time, more information about your legs here on A Leg Up. Thanks for joining us here. Make sure you tune in next time for more information about how you can keep your legs happy and healthy here on A Leg Up with Dr. Randall Juliff from La Bella Vita Laser and Vein Center. See you next time.